Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. Today, we'll find out if I was able to resist eating an entire pan of cookie butter blondies, and we'll introduce a sweet no-bake dessert you can turn to as these summer days keep heating up. We'll also find out if my love of lemons can last when I'm facing not one, not two, but almost three dozen of these citrus powerhouses. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Hey, Andrea, it is the second week of July. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How has time been flying? Yeah, it snuck up on you, didn't it? I know. I was just thinking, like, when is this? And, you know, we are doing a full month of square bakes in our hip-to-be square month. But we would be remiss if we did not point out that not only is it National Ice Cream Month in the U.S., it's also National Ice Cream Month in the U.K., Oh, I love it. We're sharing a national food holiday. Excellent. We are. Maybe it's Global Ice Cream Month and I just didn't research hard enough. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) So in that spirit of Ice Cream Month, we, of course, are introducing an ice cream sandwich a little bit later in the show. But if you are just looking for some great ice creams, we have done quite a bit, Andrea. When I started looking back in the archives, we have done almost 10 ice creams, I think. It's a lot. Yeah, we're big ice cream fans here in my household. So that's something I know I can almost always make that everyone in my family likes. For sure. Us too. So if you are looking for some homemade ice cream this summer, don't forget roasted strawberry buttermilk ice cream from episode 30 and sweet corn and black raspberry ice cream from episode 130. Those were, of course, both Jenny's splendid ice creams that we loved Andrea, how intriguing that we did the strawberry buttermilk in episode 30. And exactly 100 episodes later, we did the sweet corn ice cream. I know. I'm thinking a couple of reasons why there might have been 100 episodes before we tackled a Jenny's again. One is I made a trip to Nashville and I actually got to hit a Jenny's store. So I got my Jenny's fix that way. Mm. And second is, I don't know about you, but uh, Jenny's is widely distributed now in the grocery stores, probably not in the UK, but over here in the US, I can actually get my hands on some Jenny's pretty easily now. Oh, yeah. I think it's just so funny. We think we are so unique. And then you look at that and it was kind of same time of year and in fact, almost the same episode Mm -hmm. number. Things like that just always give me a little chill. Yeah. No pun intended. (laughs) Then we had our agave sweetened chocolate ice cream. That was David Leibovitz from episode 31. Such a really good, rich, and thick chocolate ice cream that used an alternative sweetener. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. I love a chocolate ice cream, and that is my daughter's number one favorite type of ice cream. I remember in my recipe notes for that, I said chewy, which is like no higher praise I can give a homemade ice cream when it is so thick that you are chewing that ice cream. I love that one. Yeah, yeah. Switching gears a little bit, we did that dairy-free spicy peanut butter ice cream from episode 32. That was a revelation. It was really good. Not flavors you would necessarily think about in an ice cream, but really unique and yummy. 
Yeah, that was one of my husband's favorites because, of course, he loves peanut butter and he loves spice. And if I'm remembering correctly, isn't that the recipe I got from the soap dish queen? You did. Perhaps our most intriguing source, our most (laughs) unexpected source for an ice cream. (laughs) Hey, you know, just go prowl around the internet and you will find some recipes in some interesting places. You'll be amazed. (laughs) I wonder if you added corn to that spicy peanut butter, if that would be his absolute favorite ice cream of all time. (laughs) The trifecta right there. I'm sure when I served it to him, he probably said, you know, it'd be good in some corn. Well, one of our favorites in this house was the simple chocolate ice cream with the Rocky Road mix-ins we did back in episode 80. That is a classic chocolate ice cream. You can really jazz it up with all kinds of different things there with the Rocky Road almonds and pistachios or mini marshmallows. That's a great one. Yeah, that's the one we used from the ice cream cookbook that comes with the The manual yeah the actual manual that's probably a better word for Mm -hmm. it that comes with the Cuisinart ice cream maker and I think listener Craig is the one who shared with me how to make that one dairy free so that's another good recipe that you can substitute coconut milk for the heavy cream and speaking of a little alternative ingredient we did our tahini chocolate banana soft serve in episode 81 of course that was also a dairy free and was really intriguing to us both as well it was sweetened with dates yeah and from the minimalist baker and one of my favorite recipe sources because she so often has very few ingredients and i usually have them laying around the house so Mm -hmm. that was really fun i loved that recipe and then you've heard me talk about this for so long now but i can't stop I can't stop talking about it. I can't stop making it. And Lord knows I can't stop eating it. It's Nigella's Salted Caramel No Churn. You first heard me mention it in episode 85.5. This is a nice one if you don't have an ice cream maker because as with many of Nigella's ice creams, you mix them up and just set them in the freezer and you're done. They are a no churn. So that remains a huge favorite. And I've already made it much too often this summer if I have to be honest with myself. Yeah, that's the one that uses the sweetened condensed milk, right? It does. It does. And cream and some bourbon if you want. You can leave it out if you don't. And it's delightful both ways. And of course, we'll have a lot more information on all of those recipes if you go back to the show sheets for each of the episodes that we've been calling out, which is on our website, preheatedpodcast.com. Not to just focus exclusively on ice cream, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that today, July 8th, is also Mm. National Chocolate with Almonds Day. I feel like we should have been eating a chocolate bar with almonds as we recorded. That would have been very ceremonial. I think we should have done that. Yeah. It would have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe that would have turned into a bad habit of eating chocolate bar with almonds when we recorded all of our episodes, though. What made me laugh about this particular national food holiday uh, is just how specific it is. (laughs) Yes. Isn't that funny? Yeah. In fact, I'm surprised it's not like the national dark chocolate with Almonds Day or something like that. Mm. But That's July 9th. mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. There you go. (laughs) I am a big fan of chocolate with almonds, and I tend to just eat them plain. Like, I will buy the roasted almonds dipped in dark chocolate. And um, I always like to pretend that those are healthy. I don't know why I Mm -hmm. like to tell myself that. But you can get a little, when you check out at Trader Joe's, they sell the little snack-sized bags of these at the counter. So as you're waiting in line, they very often call out to me and I have to pop one into my bag. So Mm. yeah, I'll be celebrating National Chocolate with Almonds Day on July 8th and many other days throughout the year. 
Well, Andrea, speaking of deliciousness, we kicked off our hip-to-be square month making things in square pans all month long with a cookie butter blondie. This was from the blog The Butternut Bakery and featured one of our favorite ingredients, which is a Biscoff cookie butter. If you're not familiar with that, it is like a peanut butter, but it's made with speculose or Biscoff cookies and some oil and sugar ground down to a peanut butter-like consistency. Made a lot of brownies in my day. Love them. Not so prolific with the blondies. Andrea, you were you have a very strict mandate that brownies don't stay in your house because they're too easy to eat. I'm wondering if these blondies might have received a, a similar mandate from you. How'd it go? <laughs> well, let me tell you. First of all, I have to share a little bit of a challenge that I had. Uh, when we first discovered the Biscoff cookies and cookie butter, you know, way, yeah. ba- way back when we started our show, I think we yeah. listed and our listeners helped us with all the places that you could buy this product. So a lot of people okay. mentioned, you know, Cost Plus World Market. I think shortly after I learned about it, I saw that Costco was selling it. I know it's at Walmart. It's at Target. So, you know, it's sort of a standard item now these days. Okay. I went to my local grocery store, which is in the process of being remodeled. And you know how it is when you go to your grocery store and you know where everything is and suddenly everything's moved? Yes, it's it's like terrifying. It, it's it's just disconcerting <laughs> a little bit. It is. So it is. one good like in the twilight zone. Yeah. And one good thing that they did is they had staffers wearing these bright green shirts. And on the front, they said, ask me. And on the back of the shirt, it says, I can help you find it. So, I mean, I literally was going down my list and finding a green shirt to help me with almost every item. You know, where is this? Where is that? And I got to my cookie butter and... I was using one of the same young men that had helped me with find a few other things. And I said, okay, now I'm looking for cookie butter. And he sort of cocked his head to the side and said, excuse me? And I said, cookie butter. I said it, you know, I I tried to then explain what it was. I'm like, you know, it's in a jar. It's like peanut butter, but it's ground cookies with a lot of sugar and stuff. And he was like, I do not know what you're talking about. And so we went to the peanut butter section. We looked there. We couldn't find it. We went to the baking section. We went we looked there we couldn't find it right we were sort of talking and chatting the whole time about what you use it for i went to the cookie section so i could show him the lotus biscoff cookies and anyway right it, okay so you found those i did find That's the lotus good. biscoff cookies okay. but at a certain point i was on you know kind of a time schedule and I, yeah. I said i just have to give up looking for this so i decided you know i'd get it i know i could get it in another store so i went about and got the rest of my things and i was standing in line to check out and the young man with the green shirt came up and tapped me on the shoulder and he was like Hey, I was just wondering, and I thought he was going to tell me like that he had found it, you know, in the bag, yeah, tucked away. And he had his phone out, and he said, "Could you write down for me again the name of that stuff?" (laughs) (laughs) So he was very intrigued with cookie butter, not necessarily in terms of finding it for me as a shopper, but he had never heard of it before, and he was like, "I really want to try that." (laughs) Well, it sounds so magical when you describe it as you know, ground up cookies in a jar like peanut butter. I mean, most people would be like. Tell me more. Exactly. Yeah. So were you able to find it at somewhere else, though? I found it quite easily at another store. So in fact, Great. I got okay. both the creamy and the um, 
chunky? Is that what it's called when it has the nuts? Yeah. Crunchy. 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 That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> chunky, crunchy. Yeah. Chunky is what I felt like after I ate it. No. I, <laughs> I got two jars. I got the creamy and the crunchy. And I used the okay. creamy in this recipe, although in last week's episode, I mentioned using the crunchy. I made a note on this recipe that this was so incredibly easy. I mean, it came together yes. very, very quickly. I followed her advice and did not use my electric mixer. I just used yep. a big old bowl and I whisked together the melted butter, the cookie butter, the brown sugar, and the regular granulated sugar. And then I whisked in the eggs and the vanilla, added in my salt, and I did not use the mixture of all-purpose flour and bread flour. I thought I had bread flour, but it turned out I had cake flour, and I know that's quite different. So right. I just used a cup and a half of all-purpose flour. And I still thought it had good texture. Okay. She says it should almost look like cookie dough when you're done, and mm -hmm. I agreed that it did. I was thinking, as far as I was concerned, you could just turn that into small balls and eat it as raw cookie dough. Yeah. In service to our listeners, I did go ahead and bake it, and I <laughs> pressed it into my 8x8 square pan. It says bake for 20 to 25 minutes. I checked it at 20 and did the toothpick test, and it still was a little underdone, so I ended up doing 23 minutes. Okay. And fortunately, last week you had pointed out to me that I had to let them cool for 30 minutes to an hour. Otherwise, I think I would have tried to eat them right away. But I do think it really does need that setup time. Agree. I cut mine into nine pieces. <laughs> she says cut into 12 or nine, depending on how hungry you are. So I decided I was at a nine <laughs> level of hunger. And I loved these. I mean, I just, you know, I love blondies. I just think they're fabulous. So I think the only thing I would do different next time is I really do think I would like to try this with the crunchy cookie mm -hmm. butter because I'm one of those people like I like nuts in my brownies. So I think I would like a crunchy in my blondies as well. You can't go wrong. I don't yeah. think I made this recipe twice. Oh, as you said, it's very fast. It's very easy. One reason, which I love, is that you melt the butter. Yeah. And so you have that hot butter, which I recommend you pouring straight onto your cookie butter because it kind of helps that melt and yep. break down really easily. So that's why you're not waiting to cream any butter. You're not waiting for that to come to room temp. You can really do this much too quickly, probably. Right. Because they are delicious. I did use the combination of the all-purpose flour and the bread flour, and I do think that added some nice structure mm -hmm. because these are pretty loose, as she says. I agree with you completely. In fact, this batter reminded me in taste and texture, and even in the method of melting the butter, of my very favorite chocolate chip cookie batter, which is Martha Stewart's recipe called Carolyn's Chocolate Chip Cookies. I know I've talked about it in the past. I think some other listeners share this favorite chocolate chip cookie recipe with me. But in the texture, in the color, in the taste, that's what it was reminding me of. It baked up beautifully. I also note that I pulled them at 23 minutes. They look a little underbaked at that point. And I think that's why you are leaving them at room temperature for the 30 minutes to an hour mm -hmm. to let them firm up. And I note that at 30 minutes, it was still a little hard for me to bake. But at an hour, they were nice and chewy. They cut up beautifully. I thought they were so caramely, molasses-y even from that brown sugar, vanilla-y. They are dangerous. Really, really good. Yeah. Loved these. Yeah. Now, you said at 30 minutes you noticed they were still a little hard to bake. I'm thinking you meant cut. 
Yes, sorry. Car- hard to cut at 30. Okay. Yeah, so I had better success when I left them there and tried again at an hour. Cooling, of cooling, not baking. And I should add, I also did my parchment paper sling. I do that all the time now with brownies or blondies or, you know, anything going into a pan like this. Yeah. Where I cut the two pieces of parchment paper and lay them in the bottom and use those as handles yep. to pull the blondies out. The one question I had to you, Andrea, these tasted magnificent. But did you think they tasted like the cookie butter? No. I thought, and you know, I didn't tell my husband and my daughter what they were. I was just like, try these blondies. And both of them asked me if these were butterscotch. Yeah. They had a delicious caramely butterscotch flavor, but I don't think that Biscoff really came through. So so if you are really, really a fan of that cookie butter flavor, I'm not sure you're going to find it here. Although the flavor is amazing otherwise. And if you look at her recipe notes... She says that you might want to spread a little bit of that cookie butter on the blondie. And one thing I thought of doing, but I didn't do it because I just thought it would be too decadent, was making sort of a blondie sandwich Mm. with the cookie butter in between. Why have you put this idea in my head? (laughs) Don't you think that would be so good? Yes, I do. (laughs) You're right. You could frost it. Exactly. You're exactly right. You could frost it with a little of that extra cookie butter. If you really wanted that flavor. So yeah, two thumbs up. Big thanks to Jenna from the Butternut Bakery blog in Scottsdale. I loved this recipe. We now just have her to blame for having some extra (laughs) jars of cookie butter in our pantry. Well, they're not going to last long. I'll tell you what. These blondies are going to be made again and again. Loved them. Well, speaking of sandwiches, up this week for our bake-along is a no-bake cookie dough ice cream sandwich. And this comes from good old spice maker McCormick (laughs) and the, you know, website McCormick.com. Stefan, I think you found this recipe for us, so I'm curious how it sort of uh, jumped out at you or what made you notice it. Well, spoiler alert, we were doing some research for an upcoming potential theme month in which we do everything off the back of the box or back of the bag or anything like that. Oh, right. Yeah. And so I ran across this one and I just thought it was too good to hold on to. We needed to address it. Plus, it fit great into our square month and is also an ice cream sandwich. So really nice summertime recipe. Now, the other appeal is that cookie dough, although I constantly and regularly eat regular cookie dough that has plenty of eggs, some people don't eat eggs and some people aren't comfortable eating raw eggs but still want to nibble on the cookie dough so this kind of sidesteps that by not using eggs so it's an egg-free soft cookie dough sandwich you know you're right it does fit firmly into square month because the recipe is in an eight inch square pan yep but I have to say, when I think of ice cream sandwiches I often think of a rectangle no no that's next month darling <laughs> This leads me to, is a square a rectangle or is a rectangle a square? What is that? I know. I know. What's the, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I did look it up. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. We're not going to, we're not going to make our listeners suffer through our vague, vague, vague memory of eighth grade geometry. No, a square is a special kind of rectangle, one in which all sides are the same length. But not every rectangle is a square, because for it to be a square, all sides must be the same length. Oh, so you're going to give yourself kind of a pass on this one then, if you cut it into longer yeah. longer square? Or, yeah, okay. McCormick says cut it into 16 bars. Yeah. And so those obviously would be square. Yeah. I wanted to point out a couple of things on the ingredients. So it 
has a creamy peanut butter. I was thinking that if you had some of that leftover cookie butter, you could certainly substitute there. Yeah, why not? A creamy peanut butter mixed with softened butter and confectioner's sugar, along with some regular brown sugar and some vanilla extract, and then some vanilla wafer crumbs. So, of course, here in the U.S., I can find a vanilla wafer anytime I turned around. But, Stefan, I was wondering if you were going to have trouble finding vanilla wafers in the UK. Yeah, indeed I do. So I am subbing rich tea biscuits. They are larger and they are heartier than a vanilla wafer would be. So I will probably use less to get to that same measurement, which is a cup and a half or a cup and a quarter of the crumbs. This recipe also has miniature chocolate chips. Now, Looking at the recipe, you do just mix those chocolate chips into the batter for the sandwich part. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was kind of thinking, you know, if you didn't have miniature chocolate chips, do you have to run out and get them? Probably not. But I think I will go ahead and buy them. I don't usually keep the minis on hand, probably because I would, you know, maybe just pop them into my mouth and think they were smaller and less troublesome than large ones. (laughs) Well, and as you guys know, just finding semi-sweet chocolate chips is a task for me here anyway and I've Mm -hmm. not seen minis so I'm going to use what's in my pantry which is the regular size as well yeah maybe a little less but we'll see yeah yeah maybe a little less or maybe you could maybe chop them up a little bit I don't know and we're all about easy on this recipe it's no bake totally no bake sandwich part is the baking part or the making part but the ice cream part is just vanilla ice cream softened now Stefan I am not going to make my own ice cream I'm going to buy some and I have to tell you I never buy vanilla ice cream Oh, really? Oh, that one we do a lot because we love to make like a Sunday bar. I'll make homemade hot fudge and we'll do like banana splits, something like that. And I love vanilla on that. Okay. Why couldn't you put chocolate or some other flavor here too? Well, that's what I wanted to get your dispensation that I could go ahead and and go rogue (laughs) on my ice cream filling because it really doesn't matter, right? It's just, it's it's the idea of an ice cream sandwich. So totally, you can do whatever ice cream you want. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And you know, toward that end too, I think this recipe, you could make this vegan too. If you check your chocolate chips, make sure they are dairy-free and then used a vegan ice cream, I think that you could make this also, is it gluten-free? Let's check that too. Maybe not on those cookies, but maybe you have a fun or favorite gluten-free cookie that you could use there too. So I think there's ways to play around with this. This is a nice kind of template. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So I am really looking forward to making these. I love anything that says no bake in the heat of the summer. And I love an ice cream sandwich dearly. So looking forward to those and thanks to the good people at McCormick. And remember, we'll have a link to all of these recipes, the cookie butter blondies from the Butternut Bakery, as well as the no bake cookie dough ice cream sandwiches from McCormick for the show notes. This episode is episode 132. You find that on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as in our Facebook listeners group. Well, Stefan, you will be very pleased to know that I recently had a very successful experience traveling with three dozen lemons. (laughs) Three dozen. Did you have to buy an extra seat on the plane? Almost. Luckily, my husband brought along an empty backpack. So we loaded all the lemons into there and actually checked them as luggage on our way home. Now, I'm guessing this windfall came your way while visiting your in-laws in Arizona. I remember seeing a picture you posted of a lemon tree. That's it. It's right there in their backyard. And I just filled up on my three dozen lemons. Then I got home and I put them in a bowl on my counter and I started staring at it. 
And let's keep in mind that these were not just regular lemons. These were a gigantic-sized lemons. Yikes. Well, now I know why we're calling this segment Bumper Crop Bonanza. (laughs) I definitely know the joy of a fresh crop of local fruit. But I'm equally aware that a good amount of work goes alongside any fresh fruit bounty. Yeah, I'm thinking you may have experienced this at least once or twice growing up in Snohomish County, Washington, near all those strawberry and blueberry fields. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, I just enjoy the process of being out in the fresh air picking strawberries or blueberries with my mom and my kids. It's so social and active. In fact, I once picked about 10 pounds of blueberries with my newborn son strapped to my chest in his Bjorn. Oh, gosh. Quite a workout. But my eyes are always bigger than my schedule, and I come home with pounds and pounds of fruit. I love making jams and shortcakes. I freeze some. We eat a ton of it fresh. But inevitably, I still have some left over. What's been your experience with fruit picking, Andrea? my family loves fresh strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, so I don't have too much work to do when I get home after a day of picking. I can just leave them out on the counter and they magically disappear. Ooh, so maybe that will happen with your lemons. Uh, Alas, it's not like you can just bite into a fresh lemon like you can with fresh berries. So I think this particular crop is going to require a bit more effort on my part. I know what I'd tackle first. Oh, do tell. Lemon curd. One of my favorite accompaniments with scones or pavlovas or on top of a cake. Of course, here in London, I don't have to make my own curd since I have so many choices at the store. Oh, yes. I'm remembering that vast selection at Fortnum and Mason. Yeah. Didn't listener Amy call it a wall of curds when I <laughs> when I posted that photo in our Facebook group? Indeed she did. Luckily, you don't need to visit Fortnum and Mason because lemon curd is one of the simple treats you can make at home. Listeners, I've posted one of my recipes for a ruby red lemon curd on the recipe section of our website, and that's a great way to use fresh lemons and fresh grapefruits. I've definitely got curd on my list, and you'll be happy to know that I will be making it in my Instant Pot. But maybe I should back up a bit, and before I start sharing recipes, I should tell you about the prep work that I did. Oh, crucial, yeah. First, I washed all of the lemons, and I selected about half of them to zest and juice. My husband and I stood in kind of a makeshift assembly line, and I was doing the zesting and the slicing, and then he was doing the squeezing and the juicing. (laughs) We filled two complete large silicone ice cube trays with the juice. Oh, wow. So now you've got frozen fresh lemon juice in small amounts. That's really clever. I can just pull out one cube at a time. I keep it in the fridge in a glass jar whenever I need, you know, a teaspoon or two of lemon juice. Yeah. And the zest I put into a small container and put into the freezer. So you are perfectly prepared for any lemon opportunity. Yes. And I know one will be Rose Levy Barenbaum's Triple Lemon Velvet Bundt Cake. Oh, man. You made that back in early March for Mardi Gras, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And I think it's perfect for year-round lemon lovers. The cake batter has three tablespoons of lemon zest. The syrup uses six tablespoons of lemon juice. And then the glaze uses even more lemon juice. I'll post the picture of the cake I made. Of course, since I made it for Mardi Gras, I covered it with purple, green, and gold sugar. But the regular recipe doesn't need that. And, you know, two other lemony bakes that come to my mind are the lemon Sussex Pond pudding we made in episode 73.5. And that used a whole lemon baked right inside of the pudding. That still blows my mind. (laughs) 
And of course, the lemon drizzle cake from episode 45 that you awarded your season one blue ribbon to. And still my daughter's most requested preheated dessert. While moving away from recipes and over to ingredients, I'm also planning on making some lemon simple syrup and some lemon sugar. Simple syrups are so nice to have on hand for baking and for sweetening beverages. It's basically just heating equal parts of sugar and water in a pan, bringing those to the boil and stirring in the lemon juice. That's it. They last indefinitely. They are so good in a cocktail, drizzled on a cake, on a stack of pancakes or a Dutch baby, or you can even toss them into your salad dressing for a sweet and tangy hit. And I like offering some in a small jug when I serve iced tea, too. It dissolves so much easier than regular sugar does. But you'll have to clue me into lemon sugar. Is that as easy as it sounds? It's as simple as it sounds, being that it's simply lemons and sugar, but it's not totally easy. Okay. I use a recipe from Martha Stewart, and so first you have to remove the zest, then you chop it into a food processor along with half of the sugar and you pulse until the mixture is finely ground. Then you mix in the rest of the sugar, mix it all together, lay it out on a baking pan until it's dry a couple of hours. Oh, that's sounding like another great holiday gift. I can see using it in hot tea too. Oh yeah, it's really good in cakes, cookies, scones, lemon breads. Speaking of gifts, I will probably also make some homemade lemoncello. All you need is 10 lemons, a bottle of vodka, some water, and some sugar. I use a recipe from Giardia di Laurentiis, and it's quite easy, and it's a really fun gift to give. She says you can serve it after storing overnight, but I like mine to age for around a month, so do plan ahead on that one if you want to make it. I know what I'm putting on my Christmas list this year. Well, funnily enough, when I came home with this bumper crop of three dozen lemons, I thought I would never get through them all. But my daughter came up with the simplest treat of all when she used over a dozen of my lemons to make some freshly squeezed lemonade on an unexpectedly hot day. Oh, how fun. We hadn't done that in years since she was a little girl and she used to want to sell lemonade in her homemade stand. So it also (laughs) brought back some great memories. Listeners, let us know your tricks and tips for making use of a bumper crop of fresh fruit. You can send us an email at host at preheatedpodcast.com or post on our Facebook group, the Preheated Baking Podcast listeners. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get the icing onto this episode. We release new shows every Monday morning, and next week we'll see if we kept our cool with McCormick's No-Bake Ice Cream Sandwiches and introduce a vintage Lazy Daisy cake I've been longing to make. And speaking of cakes, we'll take a deep dive into cake-making tools and discover which ones truly take the cake and which ones just take your money. Listeners, if you'd like to get an email and a link to the full show notes every week when our episode is released, subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, preheatedpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at preheatedpod. And if you like our show, please tell a friend and subscribe and consider ranking and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our show. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams.
Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.